Good morning. Welcome to Emmett Audio. I realized I never talked about um, this cool thing that I saw at the local uh, county fair. There's a town called Cummington near us, the Cummington Fair sort of pulls in. Not every town has a, a sort of end of summer fair. Um, so they pull from the surrounding towns. And we went to the Cummington Fair this last weekend. And I got to watch the Oxen Teamsters Challenge course, which was much more interesting than the ox pull, where they just try and pull successively heavier weights. Um, the challenge course is much more designed to test your ability to work a team under more realistic conditions, right? Not just pulling a heavy weight for a short period of time, but how well do you work with your team of oxen? How well can you navigate circumstances that you would find if you were using your oxen to, say, haul logs out of the woods and load them onto a bobsled? There were four teams competing. We only watched two of them. The first guy was clearly just a, well, I don't say, I don't mean to say just, but he, I did not get the impression that he was a professional forester and he used his whip a lot and sort of kept his distance from his team and used his whip a lot and was harried. The second guy was a guy I grew up with a couple years older than me. Uh, Still lives just up the hill from the high school, and um, he's a professional logger, and he logs with oxen, and his family has a sugaring operation, and he collects the sap with the oxen as well, so these oxen get used year-round, and he's been doing this for decades now. His oxen were 7 and 13 years old. And the interesting thing was that he got right up in his oxen's faces and was leaning on them and talking to them. He barely used the whip at all. He was gesturing with the whip. He was not uh, touching it to the oxen at all. And mostly just talking to them. And, you know, if he wanted them to stop, they would stop immediately. And it was so cool watching him do this. And he, he did beautifully. It was a gnarly log that he was getting around and he rolled it up into the bobsled just so perfectly. Uh, and I bring all this up because it's such a great example of embodied skill versus knowledge. And we all have things that we know something about right and and then we, we all have things that we actually have an embodied skill in the things that we're comfortable doing for many people for instance driving a car totally embodied knowledge or embodied skill right you do it really well without even thinking about it because it's something that you do every day whereas for many of us 
you know, things that we might have an opinion about, but don't actually do very often, or think that we understand on an intellectual level, but don't actually do very often, that's your, your, um, your knowledge, say, let's call it your book knowledge. And it, it, but it goes beyond just sort of like things that you think you know about to like things that you might they practice occasionally, but you don't actually do them enough to become fluent in that thing. And you certainly don't do it enough to sort of become masterful at that thing. And watching Tom Jenkins, Jenkins use his oxen was watching someone who was masterful at using oxen. And it was so cool. And part of what was cool was that I recognized aspects of my own spoon carving in that. I don't consider myself a master spoon carver, but I am fluent in it. And I do it every day. And there is a... I'm trying to tease apart, like, what were the similarities? I could say stuff like, oh, it was calm, it was quiet, it was uh, efficient. There's communication. Because I do believe that I'm communicating uh, with my tools, communicating with the wood. Thomas communicating with his oxen and with the log. And, and yet it's it's more than that. It's just like it's like like recognizes like. And you, you see that in your yourself. And it also made me aware of places in my life where the know-how that I have is very much is very much book learning. Where I think I understand something, I think I know something. Let's say, you know, I know something about the world. I know some something about some country, right? I'm like, oh, you know. Such and such is like this, or this happened in a historical thing, but I didn't live it, right? I didn't, I wasn't there. And so my knowledge is brittle. It's, it's dates and facts. And it's not all of the nuance that actually makes up an understanding of what's going on in a circumstance. And I think... <clears throat> I don't think we can ever serve. I think it would be foolish to try and go through life only having that embodied knowledge in things and sort of eschewing book knowledge. I don't think that's possible, and I don't think it's particularly helpful. But I do think each of us needs places in our lives where we have that embodied skill. And I think when we are looking for a resource to learn about something, I think you want to find somebody who has that embodied skill to learn from because you're going to learn different things. Right? If you were to watch Willa out of the road, out of the road, we got a car coming. If you were to watch that first guy, 
handle his oxen. Let's say you're like, okay, here's a, here's a guy, he's down the road from me. He trains oxen. I want to learn to train oxen. I'm going to go learn from him. You'd learn a whole different set of things than if you went and learned from Tom Jenkins. And I think that's the main reason we need to be aware of this is that when you are learning something, it really matters if the person you're learning it from has it as deeply embedded in them. <clears throat> as that as 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 having it at that level of embedded skill. Because you're gonna learn different stuff entirely. I mean the, the face of it might look the same, but you're gonna have different assumptions about what's possible, about how to comport yourself. And I think we all know this. This is why You know, in the martial arts, you would seek out a master. And I think sometimes in certain arenas, it has turned into like a status thing. Like I know with violins, if you're learning the violin in a serious way, it matters who your teacher is because that's like, they're your teacher. And that never sat well with me. And I don't think you need to I don't think you need to only learn from people who have that mastery. But I think you need to at least see it at some point in your journey, preferably earlier rather than later. And so you can understand what is possible. Because I think probably the biggest thing that you get from watching someone who has that level of mastery is it expands your sense of what might be possible. And that's invaluable. So. So, well, and the cool thing is, and this is so cool, that you don't need to watch a master in your own field to get something out of it. <clears throat> I think we get something inherently out of watching a master in, in any discipline. This is, I think, why we like watching sports, why the Olympics are particularly special, why we like art, and particularly we like sort of seeing the artist doing their thing, why we like watching musicians. So I think we are recognizing that we're seeing people who have that level of skill at the thing that we're watching them do. And that does something for us, even if we are not ourselves trying to become skilled at that thing, it does something for us to see somebody 
operate at that level. We thrill to it, and it shapes our feelings about what's possible in our own lives. At any rate, that's the way I see it. Thank you for listening. Talk tomorrow.